Today, we're at part 10 of our Ephesians series, and my title is, Why Be Part of a Church? And we're actually stepping back from going through verse by verse to look at more of a bird's eye view of a theme, particularly in chapters 3 through to the end. And this is the theme of the church. I recently saw a blog post of somebody uh, giving reasons why they rarely went to church. And he said, um, uh, I engage with God best when I'm working in my business, and I'm, I'm sure God wants me to have fun and to enjoy myself, so I'm sure he doesn't mind me working in my business rather than going to church. And a lot of people have responded to him in the blog post, and the answers were terrible. Like, people really didn't understand what the issues were here. And so uh, what I'd like to do today is to answer the question, why be part of a church? Now, to start with, my title was, Why Go to Church? What's wrong with that as a title? Hmm? Yeah, it's not about going. It's not about going somewhere. It's about a church is something you are a member of, you're part of. Uh, So I'm going to have three uh, points here. We're going to start off with a bird's eye view or a heaven's eye view. And then we're going to go down to a lower level view. And then we're going to end with ground level view. And that's the, that's the way we're going to follow it today. So in Ephesians, we've been going through, Paul has been given us the grand sweep of history and God's uh, ultimate plan that the universe, uh, his plan for the universe that has been kept secret for thousands of years. The prophets have been giving pictures of what it's going to be like, but they weren't really clear, not until Jesus was raised from the dead and the Spirit was poured out do we get a revelation of what God's plan is. And the plan is, in this is given in Ephesians chapter 3, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, hidden for ages in God who created all things. What is this? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The church, then, is God's master plan. It's the pinnacle of his creation. And God doesn't have a plan B. The church doesn't work. He doesn't. No, he is going to make the church work. Um, Now, you might have heard the idea of a universal church, local church, what we're meeting now, but a universal church in You might have heard somebody say, well, you know, I don't go to a church, but I'm part of the universal church. What on earth does that mean? Well, scriptures in the New Testament um, uh, do use the word church for, sometimes, for all Christians who've ever lived. And I looked up every single reference. I found there are 114 references to church in the New Testament, and only 19 of them are used in this particular way. 
Um, and uh, I'm going to give you some, just a couple of examples of different uses of the word. <clears throat> so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So what do they mean here? Well, they, all they, they really, it's a shorthand for all of the churches. This is the meaning here. So strictly, that's not universal church. Then, um, but this is strictly what it means. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And uh, another reference, uh, 80% of the time it refers to individual congregations. For example, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so the main use is of a physical congregations like ours. And I'll come on, I'll describe the other use and, and when it occurs in just a moment. And other people might say, well, you know, Jesus didn't mention the church. I'm a follower of Jesus. He didn't tell me to go to church. Jesus talked about the kingdom. Well, that is true. Um, God's new creation, the kingdom, it's life inside me. It's God's power, God's rules and God's values. Jesus said his kingdom was invisible like yeast. It was growing. Um, but actually, the church is the minute visible manifestation of the kingdom community. And Jesus didn't speak about the church very much because it was born at Pentecost. That's when it was born. And it became the manifestation of the kingdom. It's imperfect, the church is imperfect, it's impure, but the true church in glory in heaven will be revealed as the pinnacle of the new creation of God's kingdom. So this then is the heaven-level view, the bird's-eye view of the church. And I want to ask now, practically, what does the word mean? What does church mean? What does it actually we mean by church? Um, so let's get technical for a moment. The, the Greek word is ecclesia, and it literally means gathering. It literally means a group of people gathered together. And it doesn't have to refer to a church at all, like what we call a church at all. In fact, um, it would have been better if they translated it congregation, but they used the word church. would have been better to say congregation. Um, in, there was a protest gathering in Acts 19, verse 32. And at this protest gathering, uh, you, you're familiar, with, you know, we've had protest gatherings in Canada, all sorts of places in the last few years. This, um, and in Acts 19:32, it uses the word ecclesia of this gathering. Some cried out one thing, some another, for the gathering was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they'd come together. That word gathering there that I've highlighted is ecclesia. It's literally, it's the same word as church. Because it's being gathered together, that is the primary idea of church. You might say, well, how does that work with the universal church? Uh, you know, all saints or Christians have ever been saved. Well, the idea then is that in, in Revelation, we get a picture of all of us gathered together spiritually in God's presence. And it's that ultimate spiritual gathering that is pictured in the, new, in the universal church. So this is what the word means. Uh, but 
what does it actually mean to have a local church? So does anyone want to give a definition of a church? Can you give me any metaphors? The New Testament has got several pictures of church, metaphors for church. Can you give me any of those? A body. Oh, yes, a body. Excellent body. It's one of them then is a body. Uh, and we are, you know, we're the body of Christ. And the idea in that is that each one of us is like a different part of the body. You know, the eyes, the hands, the legs, and we're all joined together in that way. So what kind of thing does that metaphor emphasize? Exactly. Everyone has a purpose. You can't say, you know, I don't need that left arm. It doesn't do much anyway. You know, we've got to, we're all part of us. And the idea then in that metaphor is that, that God has placed everyone in there for a purpose. And we're going to be looking at this in a minute. What other metaphors are there? The bride. Yes. The bride. And, um, we're actually getting, I can show you, there we are. Bride of Christ. And I've given you the answer there. I was going to say, what does that symbolize? It symbolizes love from God and the relationship. Um, we had uh, body. I've got three others. Can you tell me what they are? Family. Exactly. Family. And you've got the next one on my list there. So, and I've given you the answer again. What does family, what does family speak of? What's the, what does family, what, what does that convey? Relationship, caring for one another, love for one another, a unity, that kind of idea. Okay, two more. The church is described as a city or a temple because we are the dwelling place of God. We are the place where God's presence is. And, and so the church is described um, in quite a few places as being, uh, we are the temple of God. We are the temple. One more. This is one that is, the, the picture language is, vict- yes, <laughs> she just saw my arm going this. <laughs> Victory and purpose, uh, the army, we are the army of the Lord, and we're going to defeat the powers of darkness. We're going to bring in captives, which are you know, people being saved and brought into God's kingdom. So these are the five metaphors. Aren't they great? Aren't these just powerful metaphors of who we are? And um, and uh, we're going to just take one of those, which is the, the second one, from Ephesians chapter 4, the passage that we're focusing on most today. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the hope, one hope that belongs to your call. And so here's this lovely picture. Uh, let's read one more verse. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. This picture of body being unity, everybody being part of the same thing. Is it possible to have an internet church where you just tune in and watch the sermon? Well, sadly, that's for a lot of people, that's what they're doing. You know, well, you know, Sunday I get up, I have a late breakfast, and then, well, I just find some channel on YouTube and watch something, and, and, and that's, you know, I've done church. Well, there's no gathering, there's no, there's no, there's none of these pictures about, you know, body or, 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 or a family or these images happening there. It's not about some information coming across to you from the internet. That's not what it's about. Now, of course, 
if you have a community and you're disrupted for some reason, like we were in COVID, then you can maintain some connection when you have to through, you know, through the internet. So I'm, I'm not saying that it's impossible to have any kind of church connection that way, but I'm saying that's not, if, if you're settling for that, you're not settling for what God has. That's very much a, um, a lower form of what God wants. So I'm going to try and focus down a little bit more, and I've really been precise. What exactly is a church? Do we have to have a building to be a church? Well, thank you. Please say no, everybody, because we don't own a building. We, okay. So, so uh, although in some cultures they assume you have to have a building. Um, uh, so uh, do we have to have a name? Okay, nobody helps, she says. Um, so in the New Testament, it would seem they were just named after the place because they didn't just planted them, so there wasn't any, any problem with them. Um, multiple names. Um, having a name is useful uh, when you're trying to identify who you are, but it's not essential. Um, if a group of people have coffee together once, is that a church? All right. If it's, well, if they're just like doing this once, then it's not really... But what about a, a bunch of Christians who go out for once a week and connect together once a week, maybe go out. I think that could be. Yeah, it could be. But in some, in some cultures where there's persecution, you've got to be very careful about what you do and how you connect. And so that actually might be the, the, the viable way of doing things. So it's, if you can actually implement the, the, the purpose of the church, the actual outward form is not so important. Physically gathering is very important, um, but um, actually the context you do it in is not something that is, is vital. So I'm going to try and sum this up and say a church is reg- people who regularly meet together. The word church, you know, meaning the word uh, um, gathering. There's a significant commitment to one another, some sort of body life. There's a commitment to a body of truth. In other words, there's, Paul says one faith in that statement we just read. They're committed to believing the same thing, not on like every minute detail, but a commitment to the body of truth and an operation of the gifts of the Spirit for the building up of one another. And this is something we'll be looking at in future weeks. And also some kind of leadership, some kind of structure of leadership that's in accordance to the New Testament. Um, so that's how I would define it. And uh, going back to Ephesians 4, we can see a verse, a couple of verses here that speak of this. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From him the whole body, and this is the, the body image, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. Do you know what a ligament is? Some of us are in medical professions here, and we know exactly what ligaments are, and we probably dissected them. But for the rest of us, the ligament is not a muscle. It's a bit that holds you, holds you together. Am I right in that? 
Yeah, okay. The bit that holds you together. If you didn't have ligaments, you'd just be a pile of bones on the floor. So this is what holds you together. So the idea is that, that people, there are some people that particularly are ligament people. You know, that's their, they're just so good at bringing people together and holding them together. That is their gift and they're supporting ligaments. Every individual part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. So I love this verse and particularly notice it says, it says each individual part, each individual part is working. And so what that means is, this is really a, a core idea, that for the church to be functioning properly, every single part must be doing their share or the church will be in lacking in some way. Now, this is different to saying, Oh, you know, we need somebody to do this. And we've got jobs in the church. You know, we need somebody to look after kids. We need somebody to do this. And this is important. But this is the other side of it, that if you, if you want to develop as a Christian, you need your gifts developing. And so as a church, we want to develop your gifts, not just because we need more people helping in the kids' church, but because we want to serve you. And you're not going to grow unless your specific gifts are being identified and being developed. And so if we're really going to be a church, we're not just about meeting our own needs, but we're about helping everybody to find their purpose in the church. And this is crucial, and we're going to see this as we move on through Ephesians. This is a key element of the church. And when this happens, the body grows and builds itself up in love, just like a human body does. When every part is working, then we grow and it's healthy. So this then is the lower level view. And I'm going to end now with the ground level view of the church, the ground level view. And uh, we're going to move on to Ephesians 5, just for a few verses. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music to your heart in the Lord, which is something we've been doing this morning, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of respect for Christ. So uh, in a community, we are wanting to bless and develop one another. We're wanting to, to, to share answers to prayer, ask for prayer. And so we were doing this earlier when we were giving thanks for the prayers that, were, that we've had seen answered recently in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the, the, uh, there's a lot more. I've just given you a sample here in Ephesians 5, but there's a lot more in Ephesians about how this works out in practice in a ground level view. Now I'm going to give you um, a very quick uh, history of New Life Church here. And this is our logo, and this wonderful photograph was taken by Heather, who was on worship earlier, and this symbolizes new life growing out of a piece of concrete. This is actually a photograph of this plant growing out of concrete because this is the miracle of what God does. He brings life in the hardest, toughest places. And we see the city as like the concrete. And God can produce supernatural new life which can break through the concrete. And this we just love. This is our image. And I never get tired of this picture. So um, 
in 2003, our, my family began visiting a church uh, in Oakville called King's Family Church. And the reason we visited it is because in our experience, we were, we'd seen three kinds of churches. We'd seen churches that focused on truth, which is really important, like good Bible interpretation, very, very important, but they just focused on that. And, you know, no community, nothing else. It was just, you know, go and hear the truth. And um, uh, my, my dad, when, when, uh, when I was born, he and my mom were going to a church. It was like that. It had um, one of the most famous preachers in all time, a man called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. You may have heard of him. And uh, he, uh, his... his um, church, which was called Westminster Chapel, people would travel phenomenal distances to get to it. But my dad said there was, it was just to hear the sermon. That's what it was. They would disappear. There was no community whatsoever. And um, apparently, I, that was the first church I attended as a baby, but I don't remember that at all. But um, that was, that was uh, a church that was just truth. So then I saw there were churches that were all about power. You know, God, come down in power, heal this person. And he did. God is amazing. But they were not that concerned about truth. And often they weren't concerned about community either. It was just seeing God's power. But, you know, the early church were concerned about God's power. I wanted this. And then I saw churches were all about community. You know, let's have a nice time together. Let's not bother with things that like truth that might divide us or, you know, this Holy Spirit stuff. Let's just get together and have, just have a community. And I said, why can't we have all three? Why can't we have all three? The early church had the most amazing power. They had the truth of the apostles and they had the most extraordinary community that we've seen in the history of the church. And so I started looking around and I found a, a, a family of churches called New Frontiers and they had a church in Oakville and we started going there and, and we just loved it. And uh, we talked to them about you know, our, our, the dream God had given us of planting a similar church in Toronto. And they said, well, we'll help you. In 2006, we began a little group in our home just to pray. And to start with, it was Anne and I and just one other person, the first meeting. But we started praying. And uh, then we started um, meeting occasionally on Sunday evenings just for a little gathering. And then... Um, we began a group of us, quite a few people, we gathered to go to Oakville on a Sunday morning. And we had, I had a, a van at that time and we had other people, I think Dan started going with us and various other people were going. We started another home group and um, we began to move towards the process which happened in, um, in 2009 where we actually began at St. Martin's School over that way, several blocks that way. We began to meet as uh, uh, an entity and gradually we grew we outgrew that building we had we moved here and um we we uh, god has blessed us as we've grown and so this is this is what where god has put us but i wanted to share something that god put on my heart early very early on in this and i was just praying about god what do you want us to do and i this verse was very strongly impressed on me this is a verse that Paul was given when he went to the city of Corinth. And as he came to the city of Corinth, where no, the gospel had not reached yet, 
Nobody had reached it with the gospel. He had a vision. Now, I didn't have a vision. I just read this verse, but it was really impressed on me. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many people, I have many in the city who are my people. And I want to say that I believe that this is true. And I believe that we are going to see a great outpouring of God's spirit in this city of Toronto. We're going to see many, many saved. And not just through New Life Church, but, you know, we want to be part of it. This is what we're looking for. We're looking for this, uh, this verse 10 to be true of Toronto. I have many people in this city who are my people. And, uh, and, uh, that we've had many come to this church and go out to other places, and that's great, and we've touched many lives, but we want to see a great outpouring in this church. So um, uh, one more thing. Some people think that, that, that you know, it's not really about whether you believe in Jesus, it's about whether you go to church, and you know, you're part of a church, and then you're going to be saved. I want to say that... Just you can have non-Christians being part of a church community and they can look and learn how to behave and everybody thinks they're Christians, but that's not making you a Christian. And if you this morning are part of this community and you're not really, haven't really given your heart to Jesus, then you need to do that. What's the... What's the entrance cost to coming into a church? What's the, what's the barrier to coming in? Like, how much do you have to pay to go in? Well, the answer is everything. You have to pay everything. You have to give Jesus your whole life. Uh, that's what the cost is. But the reward is everything and 10 times more in return. And so it's a big, it's a big choice, but it's incredibly worth it because this has been part of God's eternal plan and saving your soul from destruction. So this is, um, this is the uh, image here in Acts chapter 19. And so uh, I want to, to, uh, to, to, to end now by talking about, um, let me just get my last bit here. Yeah, that's what I want to end with. Um, the, the, this subject is so important to God and I believe that not just in, in Toronto, but I believe we are actually going to see before Jesus returns, the church actually come into what it should be. Now, if you look around at the history of the church and what it is today, things are often in a pretty sorry state, aren't they? There's not, there's, there's all kinds of problems and there have been for centuries. And you think, well, is this it? Is this what God has like been planning for the ages? And I want to say, no. I believe that God, the, the, the things that God has said in Ephesians about the church will come true. If this is what God has, it will come true. And we are going to see something extraordinary in the future. And I'm going to be talking about that in the weeks to come. It's something I'm very excited about, I believe passionately in. And we are going to see God unveil the, the pinnacle of his glory as he does this. Um, so I, I want to say then that let us pursue this with all our hearts. Let us pursue the God's vision for community. Let's do this. Let's 
pour our hearts into doing this. And I want to leave you with one verse here. And this is John chapter 13. And the verse says, a new commandment, sorry, it's two verses. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the most powerful gospel that there is. And we can be lights shining in a darkness. In a world of division and hatred, we can be lights shining out through the love that Jesus is telling us is going to be what convinces humanity about his truth. And so let us do this. Let us take heart. Let us be excited what God is doing and let us live out this destiny of this calling he's given us. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your vision of the church. Lord, may it be our vision and may at New Life we see these things that you've prophesied come to pass. Lord, may we be caught up in this amazing story that you have and each one of us do our part to bring this about. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.